Father, we know that is truth. We know that you are the one and only true God. And we know that you love us. You have proven that. But Lord, we still doubt. We still struggle to remain faithful to the path. The path that is life. Jesus Christ. So today, Lord, may we be renewed in the hope that we have that the path that you have for our lives is what is best. And may there be no doubt, Lord God, what you have for us. And may we with hope pursue what it is you have promised in your grace and for your glory. We ask this in the powerful name of Christ our Lord. Amen. If you would go ahead and be seated. You know this, but let me remind you, you get one life. You get one. You get one shot at this. And then, judgment. You know, uh, Tristan, the young man who was baptized at the beginning of the service, I was reading his testimony worksheet and realized that when he was at camp this summer, he, um, he was dehydrated. And they had to take him to the hospital. It was kind of a scary moment. We were praying here back home. And it was in that moment uh, that there was a real sense of the urgency to get serious about the reality of God. You know, we have to be so careful, friends, that we don't get so busy in the things of this world that we forget what life is really about. We often are driven by the urgent rather than the important. And we have to understand what is important. What is best? And what is best, what we believe is best, is what we're pursuing. So let me ask you, what are you pursuing right now? What's the most important thing in your life? See, understand that whatever you are pursuing, that's going to define who you are. And, and who you are is going to define what you do and even how you do it. And, and that pursuit of, and that identity and, and those actions and those ways in which we choose to live, they will ultimately be measured by us. How do you define success? What is success to you? It's crucial that you think this through because if you're not thinking about your life, you're, you're just wandering, you're going to miss it. And so it's so important that you, this morning, take just these few minutes as we look at God's Word and give consideration. What are you living for? How do you define success for yourself? D.L. Moody is famous for saying this. Our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. It is easy to succeed at something that doesn't really matter. What is success for you? Jesus asks us a haunting question in Luke 9, verse 25. He said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? You've heard that, I'm sure, many of you. Think about it for just a moment. What would you get if you gave up the glory of God and all of His goodness? What would you really get? And do you really want this stinky, broken planet? Do you really want all that this is? Do you not know that you have been made for better? You've been made for something that is the best for your soul. And the only way that you can gain that is by giving up 
something else. See, this is the hard part. <laughs> you can't have it all. We have to choose. See, no sooner have you chosen the path, no, no sooner have you chosen what it is you're going to pursue, you have to give up other pursuits. So what is it that you are going to give up, and what is it you intend to gain? Understand, you can't have it both. Jesus made this clear in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He said, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. In fact, you've got to choose. Do you want the things that you can hold and count now, or do you want something bigger? You know, here's, here's, the, here's the goodness of God in this. And C.S. Lewis points this out very well. That if you pursue God, the earth gets thrown in. Listen to how C.S. Lewis said this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at the earth, at earth and you get neither. See, if you're going to live for temporal things, sooner or later the temporal wear out. And so if you're going to live for that which you cannot keep, just know you're giving up what you cannot lose, and you can never get it back. But if you will pursue all that God has, He is going to give you not only His great grace, but He's going to provide for you the glory of a new heaven and a new earth. Not this stinking earth, not this cancer-filled earth, not in this, this earth where people are killing each other ruthlessly. You know, as I was thinking this week about all that's going on in this world, it just dawned on me, Lord, I don't have a clue how bad this place is. You know, we, we heard about things that are happening in our nation. Do we not realize this happens every day all over the world? I think if we had a glimpse of just 10% of the evil and awfulness, we would find it very difficult to get up from our knees to cease from praying for the hurt that is happening all over this planet. This world, this world is broken. Do not live for the things of this world because you can't keep them. God has called us to something better. Now, in order to get that, you've got to give up the good. And there are many good things here in order to get the best. You know, you think about that question Jesus asked in Luke 9.25. Let's look at the whole context of that in Luke chapter 9. Think about what Jesus said here. Think about how you've got to give up the good in order to get the best. It says... Anyone come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. What do you want? I mean, really, what, what do you want? Do you want a dirty, stinking world that is lost and hurting? Is that your aim? Or do you want what only God can give? And I'm friends, I'm telling you, it's better. It's better. Not only does it provide us the means to pursue what is best in this broken world, but in the end, we see Jesus and we gain what we can never lose. The only way to gain this gift is by faith. You can never earn this. This pursuit is something that is provided by faith. So when we think about the world and God's design, we understand that sin has created brokenness. We understand that Christ has come and that the gospel has been given through his death and resurrection. We can have new life. 
And this new life allows us, look at this, to recover and pursue God's design. This is a God-honoring life. A life that says, Lord God, I appreciate all the good that is here, and I want to increase it, and I want to be a part of the solution to the pain. And I understand that it is only by living a life that honors you that I can pursue and recover your original design. And I can pray that what is happening in heaven would happen on earth. And I can be the answer to that prayer. And what a blessing that is. God is calling us to something bigger than ourselves. He's calling us to pursue it with passion. It requires us to be God-honoring. It must be driven by that desire. And our text today shows us how to do that, how to live a God-honoring life. If you've got your Bible, I hope that you do. Turn with me now, and, and let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to be in verses uh, 19 through 25. Let's all stand together as Isabel Graham comes to provide our reading of God's Word for us. Again, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 19 through 25. Isabel, if you would, read that for us. The God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows who are His, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. So that part is holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee useful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they bring quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently, enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Isabel. If you would, go ahead and be seated. As we look at the text today, here's what I want you to be mindful of. Whatever you're pursuing, it will define you. Whatever defines you will ultimately drive what it is you do and how you do it. And that that pursuit will then become the means by which you measure success. What are you pursuing? What are you doing with your life? How are you living your life? And what are you measuring yourself by? How do you define success? God, God wants the very best for us. In order to gain that, we've got to give up a life that we can create in exchange for the life that only He can give. And in doing that, we will find ourselves being able to live a life that truly honors God and is driven by three things that our text shows today. If you would, take note. First, note this. A God-honoring life is driven by identity in Christ. By identity in Christ. Who are you? Who are you ultimately? We sing a song here. It's called Good, Good Father. I love this song. Because you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Who are you? Are you the beloved child of the living God, saved by grace through faith in Christ alone and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? Is that you? God has called us to this life. And, and it begins by understanding who it is, who it is we are meant to be. See, the Lord knows those who are His. Scripture says it very clearly. Here's what my joy is. The Lord knows me. I am His Son. The Lord knows me. He, he's, he's always disciplining me. <laughs> I'm not His best son, but I'm still His son. And He never does 
what some other parents do. This week we were at the beach and I heard a lady scream to her husband, look what your son is doing over there. Now, that young man gets a home run or makes a hundred on a chemistry test. She's on Facebook. Look what my son did this week, right? God never disowns us. We are His eternal. He will hold us fast. We sang that we believe that. And because He holds us, we can hold Him. Not only is He my Father, I am His Son, let everyone who claims the name of the Lord, let everyone who names the name of the Lord, we are to name Him, we are to claim Him as our own, we are to say, He is my Father, He is rescued to me, He has come to me. Please understand this, especially you church-going religious types. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That text terrifies me. Because I will never be able to stand before God and say, God, didn't I preach? Didn't I go to church? Didn't I do my best? See, nothing we can do can earn us a right standing with the Father. It is only by grace through faith in Christ alone. And when we receive Him and we are defined by Him, we are adopted into the family of God. God the Father becomes our Father and Christ our Savior and the Spirit our strength as He energizes us, giving us life and leading us to live for His glory. And we're able, in this new identity, to do what only a child of God can do. Look what it says, that everyone who names the name of the Lord, depart from iniquity. Iniquity, I want you to think about it like this. It's disharmony. It's a destruction of peace. Whenever we sin, we are destroying harmony and peace with God. We're getting off track. We're losing the beat. We are now dancing to our own drum, and it's, and it's disruptive to our existence and to the existence of this world. And so those who've been given life by Christ and made children of the Father, we are given a beat that we are to walk by. It is the word of truth. And by the power of the Spirit, He enables us to be strengthened in it and to actually accomplish what it is God commands. It's not in our strength. We die to our self-sufficiency. We do not claim that we've got it all together. We say just the opposite. Lord God, help me. But in giving up on ourselves, trusting in Him, this new life begins to be lived out. We can say as Paul did in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. I'm dead. My old life, gone. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live in the flesh. By, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have a new identity. And I have a new pursuit. It's not for worldly things. It's for great godly things. This is what I do. And what we do is, is, is now it's, it's driven by an important how. See, the only way we can really, really enjoy all that God has for us is if we're truly committed to this pursuit. So write it down. 
Understand that a God-honoring life is driven by commitment to Christ. You see, what you pursue defines who you are. And who you are will define what you do. And what you do based on what you're pursuing, it will challenge and it will change how you go about that. And so we who are in Christ, we seek to be God-honoring. And so how do we do it? We do it by being committed to Christ. You look at verse 20 and 21, and you think about the distinctions here. Now, in a great house are many, uh, not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some honorable use, some dishonorable. Therefore, anyone cleanses himself. Look at this. If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel of honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Some of you are missing out on the joy, the confidence, and the peace, and the assurance of salvation that comes by living out God's plan for your life because you refuse to give up sin. You're holding on to that which is dirty. And God, God loves you. He wants to use you, but He doesn't use dirty vessels. This week, uh, on our way out, we, had, we stopped at a hotel and it had a bunch of uh, teams and athletes there, um, which is a miserable experience, being at a hotel with a bunch of these were college-age kids, so you could, you could sort of reason with them. In the morning, we went to the free breakfast. Have you ever seen college kids at a free breakfast? It was something to, to behold. I got in line, and these two knuckleheads were in front of me, and I could tell they hadn't missed many meals, and so they were at it. And one of the guys, you know, you had the eggs, and you had the biscuits, and you had the sausage, and you had the gravy, and uh, the, the big spoon for the gravy was gone. And so this big knucklehead reached over, got the big spoon that we use for eggs, and he, gra- and he filled up his plate with gravy, and then he slapped it right down on the egg part. And his buddy looked at him and said, Dude, it's disgusting. You would. Just put gravy all over the egg thing. Now I can't get eggs because it's gravy. I thought I was going to break them up. And that made me look small. And so it was going to be painful, but you know, God's calling. The guy made a good point, though, right? I mean, don't be putting no steak and gravy on the eggs. Boom. And God says to us, don't be putting no steak and sin on your life when I want to serve the meat and the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We had to go get another spoon, by the way. You know what? God has you. And here's what He wants to do. He wants you to be committed to Him so that He can use your life He not only wants you to be pursuing Him, He not only wants you to be doing all the good things that God has called you to do, but the way He wants you to do it is in a great commitment to Christ. And then He wants you to step back and see, okay, am I doing what God has called me to do? Am I really doing it? Am I making headway? Is there success here? Well, it depends on how you define success. Write it down. See, a a God-honoring life is driven by the pursuit of Christ, and this pursuit is measurable. Quickly, let me ask you four quick questions. Don't write them down. Go back and get the app. There's, there's just there's too many words to it. But four questions I want you to answer in your head right now. The first question is this. How are you doing when it comes to fleeing youthful passions? Scripture says, flee, so flee youthful passions. How are you doing? Second question, another one from a negative perspective. 
how are you doing when it comes to avoiding foolish, ignorant controversies? You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. How are you doing with that? Are you getting caught up in stuff that won't last and ultimately doesn't matter? And, and, and quarreling over issues? Again, important conversations need to be had. We live in a very complicated world. But friends, if we're talking about everything but Jesus, we're not helping. we got to share Jesus. So let me ask you two questions in the positive that we see here in the text. How are you doing when it comes to pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with all those who call on the Lord from a pure heart? How are you doing in loving the church? How are you doing in loving your neighbors? How are you doing in being kind and compassionate the way God has been with you? Last question. How are you doing when it comes to pursuing kindness to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, uh, correcting opponents with gentleness? Why do we do that? Well, the text says that God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Friends, it's easy to get off track. There are going to be times when you're going to find yourself detouring or maybe taking an off-ramp and getting on an exit and getting turned around. I did that this week. We are coming home. I didn't alert this to my family. This will be missed to them. But I sort of forgot where we were. I was listening to a sermon. It was in my mind. I, I got off, and, and then time got time to get back on. And I had an option, either Huntsville or Birmingham. And for the life of me, I could not remember which one I was supposed to be heading towards. So I got out of the details of which city I should go, and I remembered, oh, yes, I'm going north. So rather than worry about which city I was going, I just I need just to take a broad picture, and I'm going to go north, which, by the way, was Huntsville. And no one knew until now. Some of you right now, you don't know where you are. You think I'm in church, I mean, I'm doing as best I can. Who are you? What are you doing with your one and only life? How are you living? How do you measure success? Are you successful according to the Word of God? See, if, if, you, if you can know this, you can know you're headed in the right trajectory. You're heading north, home. Some of you have gotten off track. Some of you are stuck at an exit. It's time to get back on track. I want to invite some of you today to accept Christ. I want, to accept, I want to ask some of you who are my brothers and sisters in Christ to come and ask God to renew your faith. Stay on this path. Some of you have hurt. Some of you are very scared. Some of you are anxious. I'm telling you, you don't have to be. There is strength in the presence of the Lord. And if you are pursuing Him, doing what he says, the way he says to do it. He will guide you. He will provide for you. Stop guessing. Stop going the wrong way. Trust him. And stand against your prayer. Lord, I know in a crowd this size, there are some who today need to give their life to you. They need to begin to head north because they've been heading south too long. The only way they can do that is by grace through faith in Christ alone. And so they may not understand all the things that we said today, but they can know that you love them and that you will forgive them if they will only ask. 
and you will give them a new life. I pray for some of my brothers and sisters who've received this new life, who've maybe, maybe gotten sidetracked, maybe took a whole detour. Lord, would you now hear their prayer as they come to say, Lord, I want to walk faithfully with you. I want to be successful according to what you say success is. And Lord, I know that many of us, we know folks that are hurting today, marriages that are in trouble, hearts that are hard, minds that have become to a place where won't even hardly listen. God, hear the prayers of those who come to pray on behalf of others that they might pursue what is best and holy and good. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's sing together God's goodness. Come and pray as the Lord leads you.